This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. So the topic that I'm going to be discussing today is how salvation requires both an internal part, being your heart, your mind, your intentions, as well as an external action. Uh, in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. God wants all of us. And that also includes our actions that we take in the life that we live. When looking in Scripture, anytime someone brings up salvation, there are three main things that it says that we must do. Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Another example that we see is in Acts 2.37-38 with the Jews on Pentecost Day. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? So obviously they already believe and have made the decision to move forward in that belief. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Believe, repent, and be baptized. As we study today, I want us to look at every, uh, each of these and how each involves both an internal part, being your heart, your mind, and your intentions, as well as an external action. To start off with, I want to look at belief and faith. Because there's more to just to belief and faith than just simply believing. We need to act on that belief. Uh, James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. And in the way he phrases this, he's separating the two. He's saying one man has faith, and one man has works. He then goes on to say, Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Our faith needs to be shown by the works that we do. Thou believest that there is one God, he continues on. Thou doest well. The devils also believe, and they tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Uh, and he is referring back to Genesis chapter 22, where God had called Abraham to sacrifice his son to him on an altar. And Abraham had taken him, he had built this huge altar, and he had gone as far as he had the knife and he was ready. And he knew that God had a plan. He knew that God was going to provide. So he acted on his faith and on his belief in God. That God was going to uh, act in the way that he saw fit. 
He was so willing that he had the knife in his hand when he was finally stopped. And an angel stopped him, and God sent a ram to be sacrificed in place of his son. You need to follow through with your belief and follow through with your actions, because God has a plan. But with great intentions, just because you have great intentions and you plan on acting on those intentions, that doesn't always mean that there's going to be a good outcome, that you do the right thing. You can act without doing the right thing, and we can actually see this in Saul, who later became Paul. He loved God. He loved God his entire life, and he believed his entire life that he was doing the right thing. He acted on his belief. Acts 23.1, And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. This man who persecuted the church, who stood by and held the coats in Acts chapter 7 while Stephen was being stoned to make it easier for them to stone Stephen. He did all of these things with good conscience, but he hadn't had the truth yet. He hadn't been following God's word. It's not just enough to act. You can't just act the way that you want and say that it is for God. If you truly believe and you truly love God, he wants us to obey his word. And that's the acts that we need to be focusing on. In John 14, 15, if you love me, he says, keep my commandments. If you love someone, you show it. And if you love and believe in Jesus, he desires that we obey his commandments and that we follow him. And that said, the right action can also come from the wrong place. It is possible to do the right thing, but not have the right intentions, not have the right internal action, the right mindset, the right heart behind what it is that you're doing. I'm going to go through a few examples of some commandments that were given. I'm not going to cover all the commandments that were given. But just a few in order to touch on this point. Uh, one example that we're given is we're, to, we're commanded to give to the church. In 1 Corinthians 16, 1-2, Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. We are called to lay by in store. We're called to give to the church. But in Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 1 through 10, we actually have an example of somebody giving to the church, but they didn't have the right mind. They didn't have the right heart. They didn't have the right intentions. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of this price. His wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thy own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. See, the problem is not the fact that he was only giving part. The problem is that it was his money to give, and he was coming in and acting like he had sold all this land, and he was giving all of that money, as we're going to see here in a moment. He was giving all of that money to the church. He was boasting in himself. He's saying, look, I sold this land right here, and I'm giving everything I have. But that's not what he was doing. 
And there would have been nothing wrong with him coming in and giving a portion. That's fine too. There's nothing wrong with the act of giving. It's his heart behind the action that he was doing. That is what matters here. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. It was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she, she said, Yea, for so much. So they had been planning this whole time to sell the land, take part of that money from the land, and then act. And you can see that she was planning on acting like they had sold, they had given the church all of it. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Another commandment that we're given is to pray. God commands us to pray. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he says, pray without ceasing. But it is also, again, possible to, to pray but not have the right intentions, not have the right heart, not have the right mindset. We see this in Luke 18, starting in verse 9 through 14, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as the other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as the publican. I fast twice in the week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. Again, great things to do. We are commanded to do these things. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. See, the problem was not the Pharisee praying, the problem was not the fasting, the problem was not the tithing. The problem was he was going in, he was boasting of himself. He wanted to be seen of men. It had nothing to do with God. He wasn't doing this to be seen of God. He was doing this to be seen of men. I got another example in my head because I was thinking of it during worship. But worship is actually another thing that is spirit and truth. I didn't have this planned, so it's not on here. So if you would like to turn to John 4, um, 24, it says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Your worship also needs to have the right mindset. You need to be thinking about the words that you're giving, the words that you're saying, what, you're, what it is that you're singing to God and the way you're worshiping him. But you also need to be worshiping Him in truth. Again, you can have the right emotion, but not be doing it the right way. He calls us to sing out to Him. We need to be worshiping in spirit and truth, and we need to study the Scripture so we know what that truth is, because He gives us His truth. Another thing that we're called to do is to repent. And just like belief, repentance also requires an internal and external action. Start off with what is repentance. Um, I looked up a few Strong's definitions. It is 
to retreat was one. The idea of having lived a life of sin and retreating and turning away from that life and just leaving it behind you. It's also regret for that life of sin that you lived. Feeling of remorse for the things that you've done, for the life that you lived before Christ. And it also means to think differently afterwards. To change your mindset, to change the way you think, change the way you walk. It's turning away from that old life and leaving it behind you. To use a a military example, it's an about face. Your commander tells you about face. You turn around. You turn around, you face the other way, and you start walking the other way. God is telling us to turn away from our sin and to walk away. It is more than simply just asking for forgiveness. Now, on the internal action on this, on the heart and the mind, 2 Corinthians, uh, you, you should feel grief. And you should desire change. You should be seeking change and want change. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. Meaning, so we need to take that word retreat again here. For godly sorrow worketh Repentance to salvation, retreating from that life of sin towards salvation. Salvation not to be repented of, meaning that salvation is not something that we need to turn away from. We need to face it, and we need to walk towards it. Because the sor- it continues on and says, But the sorrow of the world worketh death. And in Joel 2.13, he says, And rend your heart in your garments. Not, not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Rend your heart. Feel that remorse. Feel that pain. Because it's that pain, that's that grief that you feel, that is going to turn you to that repentance. And it's not enough just to feel sorry, though, for your sin. It's not enough to just feel grief. You need to be willing to ask for forgiveness. You need to confess those sins. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sin... Sorry, I'm kind of jumping from these pretty fast. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper... But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall not have mercy. He's saying, don't just feel upset about it. Don't just try and cover it up. Don't just try and hide it away. This is not something that needs to be sweeped under the rug. This is something that you need to confess. This is something that you need to talk about. That you need to give up to God. Not only that, this act of repentance, it needs to be a continuous action that we are constantly working on. See, because Jesus already died for our sins once. In 1 Peter 2, 21-24, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, 
who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on that tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. He took our sin with us to that tree the first time. I want to take a moment. I want you to look at this for just a second before I go on. Blank sheet of paper. I want you to imagine whatever sin it was that you committed, the, the sins in your life, all the things that you did, all the wrongs that you committed, the people you hurt, the lust, the lies, whatever it was, I want you to imagine it right here for just a moment. I want you to take 30 seconds. See, when Christ was crucified, those sins that he had to bear on that cross, the pain that he had to suffer to bear those sins, he wasn't just hanging there, tied there. He was nailed there. Those nails, if you want to take a second look at your pinky, would have been roughly the size, the width of your pinky nail, and about five to seven inches. And they would have had to go all the way through. They would have had to be nearly flush. He would have felt nearly every inch of that pain as it was pounded through him. And while he was there, our sins were taken. And they were nailed there with him. And he suffered for us to hold those there because he loved us so that we could live unto righteousness. It's by his stripes that we were healed. Whenever you make the decision to walk away and sin again, and you need to walk back into that life of repentance, it is like crucifying him again. Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the word to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. Every time that we take back our sin, we make the decision to go back and live that life of sin, then we decide to come back to Him who loved us so and was so willing to take us back. 
like taking that sin and nailing him again. It's like every time that you, you walk away and then you come back, it's like you're saying, I'm sorry. And then you leave. And then you come back after committing that sin again, you're saying, I'm sorry. If you're sorry, leave it there. He took it the first time. Leave your sin behind you. Walk anew. Walk afresh. Try to try a new life. And that can be hard. It can be so hard to walk anew. But God gives us things to help us because He desires to help us. One thing I would say is to replace that sin, for starters, with something else to help you grow as a Christian. We are called to grow in Christ and our faith in Him. Hebrews 6.1 Therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God. Move forward. Replace those sins. Do something else. Do something more constructive with your, with your faith, with your belief. Maybe it was something that you did late at night when nobody was around. I don't know what it was. Maybe you were feeling greedy. Maybe you're watching the wrong things. Maybe replace that time with prayer time. Maybe you can replace that time with reading God's Word and studying His Word more. But I would say don't just leave an empty space there. Don't just take it away and leave an empty spot. You need to replace it with something because if you don't, something else is going to move into that slot. And maybe it was partying. Maybe you were going out and you wanted social interaction and you, you went out and partied and that led you to sin. Maybe that led you to a life of drinking, of drugs, of whatever. If it's the social interaction you crave, study with others. Study with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Take some time. Spend some time with them. I mean, the Lashers had a game night. That'd be a great opportunity to spend some time with uh, brothers and sisters from the church. And that said, we also weren't meant to do this alone. God never intended us for do, to do this alone. James 5.16, he says to confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. God didn't want to do this, us to do this alone. He didn't want us to struggle on our own by ourselves. He wanted us, he gave us other people to do this with. He gave us our friends. He gave us our family. He gave us our, our church. He gave us the congregation. Talk to one another. Spend time with one another. And if you have made the decision to believe, and if you, you've made the decision to repent and start anew and walk anew in life, the next step, if you haven't already taken it, is baptism, to be baptized. In Acts 2.38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this, like the others, is also requires an internal and external action. We know that it requires belief, for one thing, 
Uh, Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And as we saw in Acts 2.38, we know that it requires a repentant heart, as it is for the remission of sins. And the action requires the desire and the, the intention to follow Christ and walk anew. The act itself is following Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Romans 6, uh, starting in verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. We were buried in him. I want you to hold on to that. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Are we willing to follow him? We need to believe. We need to desire to turn away from our old life. And we need to be willing to follow him. The action itself, the word itself even, baptism, the, the definition comes, uh, comes from the Greek word meaning to plunge or to immerse, or to sink. It means to be fully immersed in whatever it is, the substance that baptismo means. And in this case, he's talking about water. An example we see of a water baptism through immersion is actually in Acts 8, 36 through 38, with Philip and the eunuch. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth it hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. So obviously, baptism is going to require a lot of water. And for one to be fully immersed in that water. Because if it didn't require that, Philip could have just gone down, taken a cup, could have even taken his hands, and just taken some water out of there, poured it on the eunuch, sprinkled the eunuch. No, he had to go down into the water to be fully washed and to be fully immersed. And it also needs to be done, the act needs to be done, as we see in Acts 2.38 again, in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And just like with belief, just like with repentance, it is possible to be baptized for the wrong reasons or in the wrong way. We actually have an example uh, of baptism that needs to be uh, that needs to be repeated in Acts 19, uh, 19, 2 through 5, where it wasn't the right baptism. They weren't baptized in the name of Jesus. And it happened when Paul came to Ephesus in 19, 2 through 5. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? They said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. 
When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they hadn't been baptized in the name of Jesus. They hadn't received the gift of the Holy Ghost yet. And for that reason, they had to. When they heard this, they were baptized again. It had to be redone because it wasn't done right the first time. Now, the gift of the Holy Ghost, this is something interesting about baptism, is the gift of the Holy Ghost is from God and is therefore the perfect, a perfect gift, meaning that this does not require a repeat baptism if you did it right the first time. If you had the, the right mind, the right heart, the right intentions, if you did it the right way, if you did it in the name of Jesus, if you did it for the remission of your sins. Ephesians 4, 5 says, One Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And once we have accepted God's grace through baptism, His grace allows us to turn back to Him when we fall because His grace is stronger than our sin. Romans 5, 20-21, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. His grace is stronger than our sin. We actually have an example of somebody falling away after being baptized in Acts uh, after being baptized in Acts 8, 9 through 23 with Simon the sorcerer. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some whoop, my thing jumped. Was some great one. So here we see his sin. His sin is pride in himself. His desire to be seen of men as greater. To whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them, he had fooled them with sorcery. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. He turned from his old ways. He believed as well. I lost my place again. And was baptized. He continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. So believing, he decided to turn from his old ways, leave his old life behind him. He left and followed Philip. He left his old life behind. He was trying to walk anew. Jumping down to verse 18, And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. See, his desire in this action is purely for his own gain. He is falling back. He's falling back into that old sin. The desire to be seen of men. He fell away for a moment. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. 
Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. So how does Peter respond to him? To get right with God. It's not, he doesn't need to rebaptize himself. He did it right the first time. Peter says, Repent therefore of this wickedness, and pray to God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. If you have fallen away, if you were baptized for the right reason and in the right way, but you've fallen away, you just need to repent. You need to repent and pray to God. And some of you may be struggling with part of this, maybe one of these today. Maybe you're struggling with belief. And showing your belief, and you're struggling with the act of showing your belief throughout the way you live and throughout your works. Or maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you feel like you have the external actions, but you're lacking the internal. Maybe you just kind of feel like lately you've been going through the motions. You've just been kind of falling wrong because it's, 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 it's what you've done. It's what you've always done. Maybe you come with somebody and it, that makes it easier for you to fall through the motions. I don't know your heart. Maybe you're struggling with repentance and returning away from that old life to walk anew. Again, this life was not meant to be walked alone. God gave us one another to lean on. And it's okay to talk to someone. And you can come forward during the invitation and talk to someone. This time was not meant for somebody else. This time was meant for you to come forward. If any believe and have the desire to repent so that they can walk anew and haven't been baptized, or you feel that your baptism wasn't, maybe it wasn't done the right way. Maybe you've been questioning it lately. And you need to be baptized for the right reasons. The invitation is also for you to come forward. Don't wait and put it off. Now, that said, I do understand if you feel uncomfortable about coming forward. You still need to talk to somebody. You can come forward after service. But I wouldn't try and put it off. Because the more you put it off, the more you keep brushing it under the rug, the more you keep trying to hide it away, the harder it can be to do it. So if you are struggling and you need help this morning in anything, and believe in your repentance or in baptism, please come forward and have a seat at the front as we stand and sing the song that has been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.